0: Amen. Thank you, brother. Jeremy, I hope this morning you're amazed at the cross and love of God. Go ahead and get in your Bible, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Everything, of course, in the Bible is inspired. By the way, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one near you. It's got a hard black cover, and uh, we'll be on page 556, Jeremiah chapter 1. Everything, of course, in the Bible is inspired, preserved for us. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's all matters. It's all good. But I think most of us understand, though it's all inspired, there are certain parts of the scripture that are especially applicable, especially clear, especially important uh, to us. And so we have now for a little while, and Lord willing, for quite some time in the future, we'll be talking about great texts, mountaintop texts, in the book of Jeremiah, the book of Isaiah, and the Gospel of John. Last Sunday morning, we talked about God having a plan for every life. We saw how that God had a plan and purpose for Jeremiah's life before he was formed in his mother's womb. We talked about God's purpose for our life not even beginning or not even being manifested until we come to Christ and how God's plan for our life begins there and that everything ahead of that is in one way or another, both good or bad, preparation for God's purpose in our life. And we saw how God's purpose in our life, after we believe, continues by us learning of Christ and obeying Him, becoming a disciple indeed, a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And we rejoiced that even the shortest life has purpose and leaves footprints somewhere. This morning, we return to the Old Testament and to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, if you read his book and know anything about his life, you know that he was a very strong and clear speaker of the truth. But he was also very tender-hearted. He was a tender-hearted follower of Jehovah. He was a lover of the people to whom he had been sent. In our culture, many wrongly equate speaking clearly with being mean or hard. By the way, I'm sure in Jeremiah's day, a lot of people thought that he was mean or hard because he was a clear speaker of truth. But the fact of the matter is, is that sin always brings death to something that's good. And so oftentimes, the most loving thing we can do is to speak truth clearly to someone. Now, As Jeremiah is beginning his ministry, uh, he's a very young man, remember, for this important tax. And what God is going to do is he's going to begin to prepare him for what would lie ahead of him living faithfully and speaking truth to God's people. There's something in all of us that wants faithfulness to truth and doing what God considers the right. We we want it to bring us acceptance and success. We all do. In fact, over the years, uh, I've been a true believer now almost 40 years I've watched a lot of people turn back from being a faithful disciple of Jesus because they had the wrong expectations about what it meant to live for Christ after they were saved. Though people often forsake Christ's way, he has never forsaken anyone who really belonged to him. In fact, he promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Unfortunately, believers can and do turn back from being faithful disciples of Jesus. And when you think about Jeremiah's ministry, the first eight years of it would have been easier. He would have had the support, his message, his ministry of the good king, a man named Josiah. But there were about 40 years estimated between when Jeremiah began his ministry and when Jerusalem was destroyed. And though his ministry began in some kind of ease, the bigger part of his ministry, the last 32 years and however many years he had after Jerusalem was destroyed, they were very hard. Which brings up a good question. What should those who want to be faithful to the Lord Jesus, faithful to God's purpose in their life, what should they expect in this world? I mean, our fallen nature, we're inclined to the path of least resistance. That's why most of us take the easy way. I mean, think about how our culture is corrupted this natural inclination of man. I mean, cheat codes that make you a great athlete or military soldier in a couple clicks of a button. Of filters that make round shapes into hourglass shapes with just a click. Listen. This whole idea that uh, we are what our social media image is instead of who we really are, it hurts a lot of people because people love ease. Listen, it's easy to pretend to be something on Facebook or Twitter or uh, any of those other social media sites and have your home and your life be a mess. Does being faithful to Christ and biblical values does always produce friends? Popularity, prosperity, a spouse, as soon as you want one. Listen, Jeremiah was called and chosen from his mother's womb. He had the word of the Lord in him and with him. Certainly, Jeremiah, of all people, would be cheered, respected, and loved by his peers. Right? If you're able to stand, if you would stand this morning, please, in honor. Of the word of God, the title of my thought this morning, it's not just a bump in the road, it's a bumpy road. It's not just a bump in the road, it is a bumpy road. Jeremiah chapter one, verse fourteen. Then the Lord said unto me, out of the north, an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord, and they shall come, and they shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. Now i utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and worship the works of their own hands. Thou therefore gird up thy loins, and arise. Speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I have made thee this day a defensed city, an iron pillar, and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Thank you. You might be seated. Jeremiah prophesied as this particular scripture begins of a power from the north breaking forth on the land of Judea and the kings of that land setting their thrones in the gates of Jerusalem. That's verses 14 and 15. The Lord said unto me out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For I'll call all the families of the kingdoms of the north Saith the Lord, they shall come and they shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem and against the walls thereof round about and against all the cities of Judah. Now some people have the wrong idea about Old Testament prophets. They wrongly think that these prophets always spoke only about future events as the Spirit of God moved them. But for the most part, Jeremiah and other Old Testament prophets, what they did was they spoke forth the truth that was already written and applied it to people in their culture. But by the way, uh, for the most part, that's what prophets do today. The only difference is the spiritual gift of prophecy is not speaking forth the future ever, it's speaking forth the truth. And that's what Old Testament prophets did most of the time, but on occasion in those days. Old Testament's prophets also predicted the future, 100% accuracy. In fact, God said, if we were studying this issue, that if anything they predicted failed to occur, that God's people could just ignore everything they had to say. By the way, people would have stopped listening to Benny Hinn decades ago if they would have stopped when his prophecies were not fulfilled. People would have left the Jehovah Witnesses decades ago when they predicted the return of Christ in 1914 and Armageddon in 1975. People would have left the Mormons decades ago when their founder Joseph Smith would predicted in 1835 that Christ would return in 56 years. But people don't pay attention to what God has said about it. Listen, every prophecy of a true prophet of God comes true with 100% accuracy, and that was not just true for other Old Testament prophets, it was also true for Jeremiah. In fact, one of the greatest differences in the Bible and every other religious book in the world is fulfilled prophecy. There are literally hundreds, if not thousands, of prophecies of detailed future events the Bible predicts at a time when there was no way you could see that coming that are fulfilled in history. The book you and I hold in our hand tonight is unique among all books on this planet. Only God knows the future with 100% accuracy. There are future events that are not that far off that someone might guess. But that's not Bible prophecy. See, when Jeremiah predicted an enemy from the north would come and set thrones in Jerusalem, that was incredibly unlikely. The northern kingdom of Babylon was not even a regional power at that time. The nation was not even in full rebellion. In fact, it was in a time of revival. And Josiah was the king. Humanly speaking, it was absolutely impossible to unlikely that from 900 miles away, at a time when you couldn't move great armies 900 miles to predict that, it was just absolutely, oh, yeah, right. But God said it was going to happen, and it did. And in light of this coming judgment, God admonished Jeremiah to stand up like a man and speak God's truth. Verse 17. It says, Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise, and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. Now that little phrase, gird up thy loins, uh, that's a phrase where in those days everybody wore these robes, and they would have this girdle around, uh, so to speak, what we would call a belt around their waist. And what a man would do in times of battle or if he was running a race, he would reach down and he would grab the back part of his robe and he would pull it up and he would bring it around and he would tuck it in that belt so that he would not be tripped in battle or have difficulty running. And when God says to Jeremiah, gird up your loins, uh, he, he's talking, he says, listen, be a man and speak forth my truth. Uh, I do believe it takes good courage for a woman to live like our Creator would have her live as a follower of Jesus. But I also believe there is something called manly courage. And I believe for the most part it is lacking not only in spiritual leaders in our country, it is lacking in men in general today. I'm not preaching about the feminization of the American male this morning. I have done that before and probably sometime, God willing, we'll do it again. But all I have to say is this. Listen, as parents in a culture that is femini- feminizing our males, our parents and especially mothers, need to let your boys grow to be men. So, I don't think you should be like that about moms. Listen, it is always some mom pushing her boy to not get uh, t- hormone suppression things. No, dads don't do that junk. Amen. In fact, God even told Jeremiah that he would suffer if he allowed the people he spoke to to intimidate him too much. Look at the end of verse 17. He says, uh, be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. God expected him. He's tender hearted, loved God, loved his people, loved his country. God says, Listen, I've got some tough things for you to say, but you say them or I'm going to confound you. In fact, the illustrations that God uses to describe what Jeremiah's relationship would be to the people of God. Quite frankly, they're intimidating. Did you catch them in verse 18? He says, for behold, I have made thee this day a defensed city and an iron pillar and brazen walls. Now notice, against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. That's pretty tough to hear. So why would the people of the land be like that? Uh, Do you know that Satan is called the god of this world, small g? Listen, every culture, to one degree or another, is embracing the values of our spiritual adversary rather than the spiritual values of our creator. You I mean, understand it is not God's value system to devalue human life in a mother's womb. Listen, a mother's womb ought to be the safest place in America, but it isn't always. It is not God's value to ignore the church, to live immorally before marriage. It is not God's value to place promotion and wealth above Christ. It is not God's value to have people choose their own gender. Listen, have you ever thought this through? What are you going to do as a parent if your child decides to identify as a pirate? Are you going to look for a doctor to chop off half a leg and give him a peg? You're going to look for a doctor to chop off a hand and give him a hook? To pluck out an eye so that his eye patch is actually needed? After all, he's a pirate. Have you ever thought about just how silly that value is? I mean, think about how silly it is for a parent to give their child hormone suppression drugs or to let them have surgery to remove body parts at a time when they're not even allowed to have an aspirin without parental permission and it's against the law for them to smoke or drink alcohol. But you can cut off your breasts. This is the messed up world in which we live. It is the God, small g of this world, that is dictating what's going on around us. And so, it should not be surprising to us that as the values of our world become increasingly crazy and ungodly that you and I need to be defensed cities and iron pillars and brass walls against the ungodly behavior, whether it's in the White House or whether it's in our own house. So it's my son. Great. You love them with all your heart and you stand firmly against whatever they do that's wrong. See, to stand strong and be honored and promoted is one thing. But to stand and speak for God, knowing that people are going to fight you, that's hard. Remember, God is he's preparing Jeremiah for his ministry. Last week, we talked about him called and his purpose in life. And that's, God, God is doing that here in verse 19. He says, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. You know, thankfully, God was with Jeremiah. It's pretty sobering to realize that fulfilling God's purpose for his life, he would be against kings and against priests and against all the people. Pretty sobering to recognize that you being in the center of God's will and fulfilling your purpose would not bring promotion. It would rather bring conflict. Stuff to hear. By the way, I'm glad God has a purpose for each of our lives. I'm glad that as you and I find and fulfill God's purpose for our life, whatever that might be, it brings us great joy and satisfaction. But God is setting up expectations here for Jeremiah of how ministry and life would be. Our happiness is linked with our expectations. By the way, that's one of the reasons a lot of people forsake Christ. They're glad to hear of salvation by grace. They're glad to hear of God's gift offered to them. They're glad to hear of God's love for them. They're glad about all that, that if they humbly repent, that Christ would forgive them and come into their life. But they have no idea what God intends for their life. And they think it's going to be easy. Our expectations determine our happiness. Listen, if you are expecting... uh, $75 $75 from me and I give you $100, you're happy. If you're expecting $75 and I give you $50, you're unhappy. <laughs> Our expectations have everything to do with how happy are and what God is doing for Jeremiah here and for us is he's trying to get him to have realistic expectations for what's going to happen in his life as he fulfills God's plan for his life. Do you know if you have wrong expectations in your life, you're setting yourself up to be disappointed? There's a lot of young people who you think, wow, you know what, man, teen years is so hard. Man, I can't wait till I get to be an adult and it's easy. Hey, don't laugh, that's what I thought. So did you. Oh, man, I can't wait till I get married. Man, marriage can be so easy. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell you've tried it. One day? See, our expectations... So so often we abandon things that are good. Man, I can't wait till we have children, man. It's going to be so easy to be a parent. (laughs) Yeah, clearly they're not 13 yet. (laughs) Listen, our expectations have so much to do with how happy you are. And, and, And God, he's preparing Jeremiah. He says, listen... I called you before I formed you in the womb. I'm going to put my word in you. I'm going to send you to my people. But in the middle of my will, you are going to be against everybody from the throne to the field. And you are going to fight with them and they are going to fight with you. But I will be with you. From the beginning, God let Jeremiah know not just that he had a purpose, but that it would be difficult to fulfill. In 1997, uh, the FDA launched an investigation into the business practices of NutriSource food executive Robert Lignan. Uh, There were a lot of customer complaints who said that they had gained weight eating his company's weight loss donuts. Here was his business plan. He purchased full calorie, full fat donuts from Chicago's Clover Hill Bakery for 25 cents. He repackaged them as low calorie, low fat, carbo coated donuts and sold them for a dollar. He labeled them as having three grams of fat and 135 calories, when in actually, even though he sold them at health food stores, it uh, turns out they had 530 calories and 18 grams of fat. That's six times the fat he claimed, four times the calories. And they caught him. Served 15 months in prison. You know what? It's not an easy message to hear that donuts have fat and calories. Especially if you're like me. And, and I hate to say this, but some, at some point in time, literally every morning, I think, man, a donut would be great. I, I, I'm not saying that's a good thought process, but literally every morning at some point, I think that. And, and so it's really hard for me to hear that they're really tremendously bad for me. But it's the truth. And those who are willing to hear the truth of God, even when it's difficult to hear, are helped. See, Jeremiah spoke truth about God and life. It was hard to hear. It was hard for him to speak. And people would unwisely fight against it. But speaking it, and people fighting against it was all part of God's purpose for Jeremiah's life. In the center of God's will, it was hard. Did you hear me? Now, I, I know that there's places all over the place. They're selling people bill, bills of goods. It's like Robert Lignan's lie. Oh, if you have enough faith, if you're faithful enough, If you just always believe life is going to be easy, the problems are going to go away, you'll never be sick, it's a lie. In the center of God's will, it was hard, but it was worth it. What I'd like to do this morning for just a few moments is make some observations and applications of fulfilling our purpose being difficult at times. Please go first in your Bible to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Say, Brother Wally, I don't like this message already. Honestly, I don't like the fact that life is hard. I really don't even like the fact that life is hard and even harder still when you make bad decisions and do dumb things. What I want is to make good decisions and good things and then life to be easy. But that's not the way it works. Here's number one. Salvation is easy for us because Jesus paid it all. Salvation is easy for us because Jesus paid it all. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Notice, we are not saved by works of righteousness. We are saved because of God's mercy. (laughs) Salvation does not come to you or me by doing the things God considers to be right and good. Salvation comes instead when we choose to humble ourselves to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ with a repentant heart of faith. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit washes, He regenerates, and He makes us new creatures in Christ. We're saved by the mercy of God, not righteous works. Though fulfilling our purpose requires righteous works, getting saved is the gift of God, and it is not of works. If You're here this morning, and you're trusting your good works to wash away your sins some way, or to somehow balance your sins out, you'll be disappointed. Listen, you've taken God's name in vain. He said, Don't do that. You've dishonored your parents, and God said, Honor them. You've taken something that didn't belong to you, and God said, Thou shalt not steal. He said, Well, it's been a little while. Well, if it's been a little while since I killed somebody, am I still a murderer? Listen, God said don't lie, and, and you've lied. Listen, we've all got the same problems. God made some righteous, holy commandments, and there's not a human being anywhere who have, kept, who have kept them. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means we all need God's mercy. Salvation is a gift of God to all who will believe and receive Christ as Savior. And our salvation, though it is a gift to us, it costs Jesus Everything. Everything. He left the riches and peace of heaven for the poverty and conflict of earth. He left the right hand of the throne of the universe for the dusty roads of Judea and no place to lay his head. He left the praise of adoration of angels and seraphim for the hatred of the Pharisees and scorn of unbelievers. He did every bit of that for us. Thanks be unto God for the suffering, death, shed blood, and resurrection of Jesus. By the way, that gift is not yours unless you've humbled yourself to call upon Jesus. And just like a beautifully wrapped gift underneath the Christmas tree sitting there untouched and unopened, if you do not come to Christ, you do not have salvation. Why wouldn't you do that this morning? Why wouldn't you humble yourself, repent, call upon the name of the Lord? But By the way, you don't get to do that anytime you want. You can only call upon the Lord when he calls you to come up, call upon the name of the Lord. It's like, well, God's dealing with my heart about being saved this morning, but he'll talk to me later about it too. I'm just gonna reject him. He might talk to you later and he might not. Why wouldn't you come to Jesus this morning? In a moment, we have an invitation. You can do that. Though fulfilling our purpose in life is difficult at, all time, uh, at times, salvation is easy for us because Jesus paid it all. But it's not just that salvation is easy for us because Jesus paid it all. Next, please go in your Bible to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I, I don't understand anybody who would learn of the love of God for you and the sacrifice of Christ for you and the resurrection of Christ you And God's offer of salvation and forgiveness and eternal life. I don't stand, understand anybody that says, no, nah, I'm not interested. I don't understand why anybody who would be unsure of where they would go when they die, whether because everybody goes to heaven or hell, I, I don't understand why you just wouldn't get it settled. It's not just salvation is easy for us because Jesus paid it all. Here's number two, faithfully fulfilling God's purpose will not be easy for us. <laughs> It wasn't easy for Jesus or the apostles. Notice as Jesus, he's basically here doing the same thing for the 11 true apostles that God did for Jeremiah when he started his ministry. He's preparing them for what's going to happen when he leaves. And notice as he prepares them, in John 15, verse 18, he says, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, Therefore, the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Listen, we all want satisfaction without difficulty. We want prosperity the easy way. We want honor without hard labor. But when you and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, our fallen nature does not go away. I mean, what happens is God regenerates us and He gives us a new nature so that after we're saved, we have these two natures inside of us that are constantly in conflict. Listen, just because salvation is a free gift, it does not mean faithful discipleship is a free gift. Nor does it mean that faithful discipleship is easy. I don't think it was easy for them to hear, listen, they've hated and persecuted me, they're going to hate and persecute you. He's just preparing them. you ever really thought about this? The world doesn't mind someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus who has the same moral values they do. But they despise someone who stands for higher morals. The world doesn't mind someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus who has the same view of Sunday that they have. But if you step up and say, listen, uh, Sunday is the Lord's Day. It's a priority to me. Listen, they got some real issues with that. The world doesn't mind someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus who has the same view of eternal life that they do. Listen, but if you stand up and say, listen, I believe Jesus of Nazareth is the only way to the Father. Jesus of Nazareth is the only Savior and that ye must be born again if you will live forever. You stand up and say that. Listen, the world has no love for you whatsoever. Listen, but if you are saved this morning, you are called to be a brass wall and a defense city for biblical values and biblical priorities in this world and in the circle of your life. Hear me. Your family and your friends need you to be this. Listen, it's easy to be a parent of faith when your children are, are young and they're not pressuring you to do the, everything the other kids do. It's easy to be a spouse of faith when everything's easy in your marriage. It's easy to do your ministry when people are supportive, a little tougher when you're the only one. Easy to, do, to give your best and do your part at work when others are doing their part, a lot tougher when no one else is doing their part. Listen, I I wish I could stand here and say to you this morning that it was easy fulfilling God's purpose in life. But just like Jeremiah, there are going to be difficult times. Some people even fight against you doing what's right. Hear me, sometimes those who fight against you doing what's right, they will even be your own closest friends and family. Can I encourage you this morning, do not give up. Endure hardness like a good soldier of Jesus because God has a plan in your difficulty. God has promised if you belong to Jesus, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never cast you away. He will never put more on you than you can bear. Trust him. And though your good will not always be noticed or recognized or valued in this life, it is always noticed and valued in heaven. Listen. I want to encourage you, be faithful. Press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. God has a plan for you. Faithful in this life, and God rewards you with joy and satisfaction. Faithful in this life, and God rewards you after this life. Have you found, and are you trying to fill God's plan for your life? Listen, it's not always easy to be the kind of husband or parent or grandparent that I'm supposed to be. I don't find it always easy. But you know what I find? It's always worth it when I choose to. Uh, This may shock you, I don't find it easy to be a pastor here. Shocking. I didn't say I don't love it most of the time. I didn't say it didn't bring me satisfaction usually I I said, listen, it's worth it. It's not going to be easy. God warned us. Listen, there is great joy and satisfaction set before all who would choose to find and do what God designed you to do. But it's not just that the world hates and persecutes faithful followers of Jesus who fulfill our purpose. Lastly, this morning, number three, there will often be some people who will stand with you. See, one of the things we do when we read the Bible is very easy to just see the part that catches our attention. And when we read that section of Scripture a moment ago, it really catches our attention that Jesus says, hey, the world hated me, it's going to hate you. The world persecuted me, it's going to persecute you. That, That gets our attention, and it causes us to miss the last part of what he said there did you catch it in the end of verse 20 if they have kept my saying they will keep yours also no sensible person wants to suffer no sensible person is looking for people to fight against them quite frankly I hate it no sensible person wants to be hated disrespected belittled or scorned by our peers our friends or our family but thank God That if you decide to find and fulfill God's purpose for your life, though this world will bring you opposition, there will always be some who will be with you. There will always be a faithful remnant of followers of Jesus who refuse to give in to what's going on around them. We talked about this last Sunday night. Uh, In Malachi's day, Judaism was a huge mess. Huge mess. But God said that in the midst of that, there was a group of people who assembled. They talked about his name. And God says, I'll remember them when I make up my jewels. Listen, I get it. There's a lot of stuff that's going on that's not good. And not just in America, in churches. But you know what else? There's also some people who still love God. Some people who still when they learn what the Lord wants from them, they say, you know what? I'm in. Who are like the psalmist? When God says, seek ye my face, and the psalmist said, my heart cried out, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Listen, what you're doing this morning is one of the best things you will ever do in the the midst of a world that has no use for our values, no use for our Savior, no use for the biblical message. You are with a bunch of people who say, you know what? Me too. I'm amazed, and I'll just read what I have here. I'm amazed at how many believers think they can stay spiritually strong, without faithfulness to one of the Lord's churches. They're physically healthy enough to be here, but refuse to make the effort and take the time to go. They think they're fine without a pastor, fine without other believers. God is gifted to teach, exhort, and lead them. Fine without other believers with whom they personally interact. And then they're shocked at their spiritual weakness and the inconsistency of their walk with God. Here's a statement. God not only gave us a purpose in Christ before the world began, he gave us a place to encourage and strengthen us to fulfill it. Did you hear that? God not only gave us a purpose in Christ before the world began, he gave us a place to encourage and strengthen us to fulfill it. You say, Brother Wally, what about your family? Uh, Man, your family is key. Everything starts with your family. But first and foremost, when it comes to our faith, he gave us the church. Local assemblies of believing people who are gifted to round out and complete each of us. You know, there's something invigorating about assembling with like-minded believers, singing with others who sing with their heart, praying with those who are praying from their heart, listening with those who are listening from their heart. There's something invigorating about that. You know, when I need physical rest and I need emotional rest, I know this may be crazy to you, but I like to go to the wilderness. I love to go to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. The lakes are clear. The fish are dumb. I do my best fishing when the fish are dumber. I, I, you know, a lot of places, used to be everywhere, but now some places it does, but mostly the Internet doesn't work. Very, it's physical and emotionally refreshing for me. But you know what? Uh, When I need my spirit refreshed, I don't go to the wilderness. I go to church. I go to church. And you, by virtue of the way God has gifted you, invigorate me. God gave us a purpose in Christ before the world began, and he gave us a place to strengthen and encourage us. Because there will always be some people who say, wow, the Lord said that? Amen. Amen? What are your expectations this morning? Maybe what you need to do is you need to respond to Christ. You need to get saved. Maybe you've been saved and you need to modify your expectations of what it's going to mean to be a faithful follower of Jesus and heed how Jesus prepared his own disciples. Maybe this morning you have just grown weary and well doing. For whatever reason, there's a hundred reasons it can happen, and you just found some reason to leave the flock of being a faithful follower of Jesus. Would you come home today? Would you come home? If you'd quietly stand.